presents Vampire the Masquerade Hellfire Nights Welcome to another exciting episode of Hellfire Nights brought to you by the Bardic College. I'm Raz, and I'll be your keeper this evening. And we're starting off pretty much a new year, um, getting ready to finish up Chapter 1. All of our players are here tonight. Uh, thankful for that. They're they're incredibly talented and can't do this without them. So thank you again, players. I want to do that before we end this chapter because it might end up in somebody in a, you know, as a dirt pile or an ash pile at the end. This is because Whoa. they, well, they <laughs> want to go out. They, they've come to me and said, Keeper, uh, Storyteller, whatever, for this particular game. I think it's Storyteller, I believe, in Vampire. Uh, we want to we wanna go after a couple of, we want to have some fun. We want to we wanna deck somebody. And there's, a, there's definitely somebody out there that needs decking. So oh, yeah. we're going to find out exactly how that plays off in the next couple of minutes. But I'd like to take a moment on this episode before we close this chapter out, just to introduce them one more time. Uh, playing Ashenbrenner, we have Paul. Paul, good evening. How are you today? I'm good. I'm very well. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're great. And how's Ashenbrenner after the great Whitechapel uh, rescue of Bartholomew, primogen of Nosferatu? I think, honestly, Ashenbrenner might be able to give less of a fuck. I don't know how he would, though. I think he wants Tevi. I think he's he's in it for Tevi. He had, he's had the prince and Evelyn offer him a brand new haven. But he still spent la- last night basically in a dumpster because he's he's all about that Tevi. Yeah, <laughs> this this is the man. This is the itch, and I need to scratch it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we finally gotten past the politics. We now have the green light, and it's like cool, good green light. Let's let's do this. It's his Moby Dick. Exactly, yes. and he's such a dick. <laughs> Te- Tevi Mo, <laughs> Tevi Mo, <laughs> and uh, who. Speaking of uh, Evelyn, who offered a new haven to Ashenbrenner, we have Lauren playing uh, Evelyn Wolf. Evelyn, um, Evelyn had quite an interesting close up to last session. She was yeah. she was faced <laughs> with a dilemma of saving her sire, who happened to be grabbed on the way out of town, and um, p- potentially earning a seat on the council uh, as a Sabat Lasombra vampire. So, uh, Kiernan was willing to reward you for your for your deeds. But there was also a little bit of a penalty because of a blackmail scheme that you tried to set up real quick on the fly. Um, how is she coping with all this? Does she feel like she, after thinking about it, she made the right choice? I mean, she's very close with her sire and she knows like deep down that saving a Lasombra vampire, that prominent a member of the clan, it was the right decision. <laughs> but at the same time, Kiernan, how dare you? slap me on the wrist and treat me like a child. Fuck off. Like, she's very much like, okay, so we were going to play long game and, like, mess things up. Now, who knows? Like, you've, Kiernan, you've disrupted all my plans. I'm going to have to come up with new ones, and one of them is I would really, I really need to add your head to my desk. I'd really, Welcome I'd really to like Welcome to Team Ash Brenner. Let's set some shit on fire. Woo! You, you know, Burn um, it all down. I, I was going to play the, oh my God, the prince is so great. He's so amazing. Mm. She may be pulling back a little bit as we see in the upcoming chapters. Like she may be less um, forthcoming, less giving 
kind with her bed and breakfast and her free offered aid and havens that aren't accepted and oh come live in my house and yeah maybe an attitude change well well it can only be for the better <laughs> from what we're hearing i mean it just sounds like you're warming up to the whole situation um so and speaking me. speaking of warming up uh i predict things of interest tonight for as he's marked here uh dr horatio jackal um, of course, on my Zencaster, he's marked a Dr. Sassy Pants, but that's okay. Um, Mike, good evening. How are you tonight? Uh, feeling sassy, obviously. <laughs> obviously. And wearing pants. Uh, you, would hope. you would hope. <laughs> the, people, the people at home are certainly going to want to think that. Um, there you go. How is Dr. Jackal? So in the last couple of scenes, Dr. Jackal has found out that vampirism is real. Uh, he's been confronted by mages affecting the weather and chasing them out of Whitechapel. And then he went right back there the next evening to try to, uh, cap, you know, recapture Bartholomew from the clutches of the evil magi. How's he taking all this at this point? I mean, oh, and even bigger yet, Kiernan offered him a place with the, with the Ventrue. I mean, this is a big night for you. I mean, you have a big decision to make. I know we've talked about it, but where are you leaning for the fans that are listening? So Dr. Jackal is a man of science, first and foremost. He cannot deny what is in front of his eyes. So he, you know, probably thought about it from all the different possible angles. And uh, as they say, when you remove all of the impossible, no matter whatever's left, no matter how improbable, must be the possible. So I think he's taking it pretty well in stride. Um, as far as Kiernan's offer, we'll see how that plays out. But he does, you know, have his affections towards Agnes and uh, his whether it's coerced by being a ghoul or whether it's genuine. We'll, I guess, find out how much is part A and part B as time goes on. But he he definitely feels like um, some attachment to the Malkavians. Uh, as the as the saying goes, uh, their crazy matches his crazy. So he's definitely got some affection for him. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's a tough choice. One, you know, we talked a little bit that one would put him into the annals of history as potentially a powerful and great surgeon and spend much of his life teaching and training and making headway that way. But the other one allows him to be with the people, as you say, that sort of matches up with his crazies. So it's going to be uh, we'll see what the final the final dice throw is tonight. But um, you know, it makes sense that that he has some uh, some trepidations about joining one clan versus the other. Uh, which leads us to a person who's had a lot of trepidations and a lot of problems, Lady Delatore, Simona, uh, played by Mel. How are you tonight, Mel? I'm very well. How are you? Well, I'm okay. So we know that Bastion has been offered a chance to, uh, in front of the prince now that Bartholomew's been recaptured and he is intact, uh, that Kiernan offered the bone of lies for both you and Bastion to clear your good names. Uh, you're be f- you'll be fine. Bastion won't be. And yet we're at this crossroad, this point where things are sort of calming down and you've been offered a chance to sit with Kiernan as Primogen for the Toreador clan. How is Simona handling all this news? Where Where is her head at right now? And how is she going to deal with Bastion's return? So Simona definitely is reflecting on her days in her past, you know, when she was born, she was born a lady. She was born a noble woman. So she spent a lot of time in court. So she's, she has an understanding of that, but she's just not sure how the rest of her clan is going to react to this news and if they're even going to welcome her. So she's very anxious. I think that's the best way to describe her right now. 
makes sense. She's a uh, if she sides with Kiernan immediately without the backing of the clan, they'll make her life miserable from the inside. That's true. Um, I'm sure some of the clan is aware of the fact that things weren't entirely your fault that it didn't go, you know, he made this, this play without you, but it, you're right. He, he is a very popular figure among the clan. He, they feel he did this for their protection. Um, it, it could be a, a real, a real dicey situation for Simone as, as the, the weeks move on. And that brings us to with a, somebody who's involved with the clan incredibly deeply and really has, uh, their interests at heart is Rosmond. Uh, Rosmond is played by Kayla. Good evening, Kay. Good evening, listeners and storyteller and all my fellow players. Hello. Rosman got the traditional Tremere, you know, you did a good job. You shouldn't have done it that way. And yet the whisper from like Deadpool, I'm so proud of you. You know, that whole <laughs> Kiernan openly <laughs> yep. in front of everyone sort of sort of gave you the how dare you act like this. This isn't the way we play things and secretly is making phone calls today, um, congratulating them on another, you know, on protecting him and doing their job. How does how do you feel as a player though being in that sort of it's hard to it you know you don't get the pat on the head at the end you kind of get the the small crack on the ass and handed a lollipop as you walk out the door does, do you find that a little bit more difficult as a player to swallow or where's Rosman's head at that That is an excellent question but um I think where her mind is at right now is she's been all about Tremere since the beginning and it's as she gets deeper into their web of crazy insanity, blood magic, and some and a lot of deception, she's starting to see some dark sides, and it's kind of like, oh dear. Well, this is new. This is new information to me. But I think she'll deal with I think she's gonna deal with it, and she's just kind of gonna use it to her advantage of like, well, they may not like me, but they need me and they're gonna like suck it up and at the end of the day kiss my ass when they when they need my help. See, yeah, Rosman isn't new to the family of Tremere, but she was shielded. So when you came to me, when we started talking about this concept for your background, um, and we won't spend long with this, but I just want to run this, you know, and see your opinion on it. You you talked about this sheltered, protective father figure, and then how much it would mean to her to one day be free of that. And now that you're free of that, you're like a child who no longer lives at home, but yet wasn't prepared for New York City, right? You were dropped off in the middle of Times Square in 1974 with the son of Sam or 78, whatever it was, the son of Sam on the loose and everybody in a panic and pornography all over and, and all these other terrible things. And you looked around and went, Oh my God, I'm from Kansas. This is kind of the reality I was trying to yep. look for, for her. Does she feel overwhelmed by some of the darker secrets that Tremere has? Or does Rosman just kind of say, listen, this is who the family is. And you know, I'm dedicated to my family and that's just the way I want it to be. At the end of the day, she's going to, favor her desire to find knowledge and find power for herself over anything. And the only people who are willing to give her that because her clan is so despised is her own like blood and in the clan itself. So they're the higher ups, they, the magisters, the, the people owning the chantries, they're the ones that are going to make her into the uh, magi she wants to be. So yeah, she's going to stick with her yeah. clan in the end. But it's not an easy pill to swallow because, again, like you were saying, her backstory is she was kept as an apprentice for so long. She never learned all of the deeper rituals or was allowed to go very far without, like, her sire going, uh, nope, you're not ready for that. Nope, this way. <laughs> like a guide, like guiding a little puppy. So she's dealing yeah. with it as best she can. She'll always have questions. 
but at the end of the day, she wants the power. Yep. And that's, that's what drives so many of uh, the Tremere vampires. So I'm, I, I, you know, I see you embracing that and that's really cool. So listeners, this is where we're going to be. We ended with Bartholomew from last time. I'm sure you probably remember. Uh, hopefully you do. If you're just joining us, you got a lot of catching up to do. There's been a lot of twists and turns and red herrings, but Bartholomew from the Pyramogen of Clan Nosferatu was rescued um, from a district in Whitechapel. The cadre of vampires that have got, gathered to hear did an amazing job of creating enough of a diversion through their contacts to really sort of set that background information off in a positive way to make it that the mage, mages had no idea what was going on. Rosamond was able to lower their their defenses uh, with these sigils they had placed around the city, and Mary Reed did her job as an archon and went in and sorted a problem for a prince that he himself probably wasn't ready to handle. That leaves us to tonight. So it's the next evening, and we're going to start with everybody some coming back to Evelyn's house because it had been sort of silently and, and discussed a little bit, but decided that it was time that Tevi Brankowitz was removed from the equation. That that particular piece on the chessboard was now a loose cannon. Uh, Kiernan was angry with him. He had broken several covenants, uh, sided with the wrong, you know, with Elijah, and at this point needed to be removed. Uh, we'll start with Asherbrenner real quick. Asherbrenner, you said you wanted to stop off at Dr. Jackal's. So you made your way to the university. That's really where you know him from. Yeah. And uh, you catch him there just after sunset. We'll say that you were able to make your way through sewers and things. Awoke yourself a little bit earlier uh, than normal. But by the time the sun had gone, it was just going down. You were pretty much finding yourself, you know, emerging back onto the street through some access point in an alleyway and making your way over to the uh, university where Dr. Jackal is normally studying in his lab. And we'll start there. So doctor, you are cleaning up after uh, some sort of a speech or a, a, a session in the surgery uh, theater, just going, putting some things away. You've collected a couple more blood samples from other students that hadn't been on the rotation yet. You, you know, you have those now secured and, um, I guess, Ashenbrenner, you would just come through the door at this time of day. You can walk about freely, right? Yeah, just uh, I might smell not so great, but, uh, you know. Uh, you were able to stay on walkways and stuff at this time. You didn't get too too fouled up. Okay, wonderful. Um, yeah, so I would, uh, you know, just kind of uh, knock politely. Um, so hearing that the doctor, uh, come in, it's a little bit late. My office hours ended. Half an hour ago, you know. Indeed, Doctor, indeed they did. How was your workday? Oh, Ashenbrenner, it was uh, quite quite interesting. Thank you for, for asking. We dissected a brain today, and it had the most interesting lump in the middle. I believe I may have discovered yet another new disease. I've been discovering oh so many terrible things since making your acquaintance. Well, I'm here to help. So... I'm going to kind of like, while I'm, while I'm talking, I'm going to see if there's any of those blood samples sitting around because I'm, I'm down one blood point. I still have the flask of three blood points from last night, but um, I don't know. I kind of like the image of just kind of carrying on the conversation and just picking up a thing of blood and <laughs> like raising my eyebrows. Like, is this, is this clean? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, if, since it's after office hours, he probably would have been doing his little side project with the blood anyway. So there would definitely yeah. be some jars lying out. Oh, yes, please, please help yourself, Ashenbrenner. So I'll just kind of, you know, like, you know, it's, it's a, it, pretending it's a snifter. It's going to be stupid. Anyway, um, 
Doctor, what I would normally use to blind a human being is this, and I'll, I'll put a little, uh, one of my flasks of uh, kind of like a greenish powder on the on the table um, and ask, uh, is, there, is there something, I don't know, more um, abrasive? Uh, my goal this evening is to um, get Tevi out in pristine condition, minus maybe one or two eyes. Well, it's actually uh, quite fortuitous that that is your request. For if you remember our endeavor last evening when we were trying to find the best way to signal each other and in a pinch decided that ammonia might be a distinct enough smell, yes. uh, I was thinking that something more along the audiovisual might be effective for people such as myself who may not have as fine-tuned senses of smell. So I had one of the stewards go over to our photographing department and bring me this, and I will pull out a heavy box from underneath one of my workbenches, and it'll be full of canisters of magnesium powder that they used to use in, like, flashes. Yeah. I, was, I was going to try and figure something where we could throw it into the air and almost like a small firecracker to signal each other, but I suspect a bit of the old magnesium in the eyes would uh, be none too pleasant. Gonna, you know, finish the rest of my drink and, you know, ah, and then pump his hand. Excellent, doctor. Excellent. And I guess uh, if we can find a way to make this portable, because I still have the three flasks of, of, for lack of a better term, napalm. Um, <laughs> and I guess if there's some way to, you know, yeah. So Asher have you? I'm sure you remember the old, I think you're in that age group, the Tom and Jerry's or any of the other Hanna-Barbera cartoons when they used to have those, um, when you when you would spray like, you, you know, or in, in even Legend, when um, Hoggle is walking around spraying the fairies, you get that little thing with the can, Labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah. So you have something like that where you could definitely um, mix it in a, with a little bit of a, of, a, of a water or a chemical. And then if you just got close, you could spray it in his face. It'd probably go about four feet of a cloud to just, you know, quickly, if he caught him in the eyes, that would probably work. So you have something like Hoggle had in Labyrinth. Yeah. When he's like, Oh, I hate fairies. <laughs> <laughs> Delightful. All right, cool. Would, um, and a, a couple of episodes ago, uh, when you when Tevi brought the little sorcerer boy, and I sent one of the porters out to go and gather all sorts of uh, testing equipment and whatnot, has any of that started making its way back to the lab yet? Oh yeah. So I should have all tubes and wires and all sorts of stuff lying around that we could try and cobble something together for a delivery system. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you should. I mean, do you, it could take some time. Why don't you go ahead and give me a science roll? Uh, science, and why don't we use um, intelligence? Seven. So I've got between the two of those seven so far. Okay. Oof. Mechanical engineering is not my forte. Uh, only one pass and one critical fail. So a big fat is zero. A zero. So I have two successes. In total, what's what's happening is any way you wanted to put this together besides the bug sprayer that's going to release, you know, have something would take time to build. 
this evening. It would just be it would be a little bit of a task. Uh, Ashenbrenner was able to give you a couple successes. You have you're at negative one, so his his two successes put you back to one success as a group as a team. I mean, as long as you know, we don't as much as much fun as the bug spray thing would be. Mm-hmm. Basically, the equivalent of of pocket sand, the equivalent of something I could literally pull out of. Just have yeah. literally a pocket full of it and blow it in his fucking face. Even if we just oh, yeah, take yeah. like a piece of paper or an envelope and put anything like that, it exactly. doesn't even require you didn't even require a roll. Yeah. If you're looking for something as a delivery system, more you know, like that's going to pop or you know have a timer or you know anything like that, that would take much more effort. But if you're just looking for a simple, you know, a dispersal device, because even yeah. worst case scenario, if there's a group of them, we could toss it and you know in the midst of them. It doesn't have to just be for Teddy. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not yeah, trying absolutely. to look like a steampunk hand grenade. I want like right. Something then you didn't I even need carry it safely and just yeah blow into one end and have it shoot out the other into a guy's face or something like that. Just real. So you come up with some sort of a little blow tube, a yeah. pipe. Yeah, that's not like they do with the. There's one type of poison they used to administer that way, a curry or something like that, where they would just blow it in your face in the Polynesian islands. So yeah, you come up with something very similar to that. All right, cool. So how um, many? I guess how many rounds do we have of that? You each have three of those for blinding. All right, cool. Three packets of pocket sand. The two of you make your way outside. Uh, I guess now you're heading, after this was done, you'd be heading over to Evelyn's house, uh, which is basically where you've been meeting with the group from here on in. And if you're planning on going... But it's like, I guess we'll... I guess we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if there's no other... I mean, what other place for pizza is there in the Midwest? Chuck E. Cheese? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a fun yeah, place. Two, two Anthony's grown there. Ass adults softballs and make fun of Anthony because he yeah. seconds as one of the mascots. Yeah. Um, Doctor, as you walk through <laughs> the university grounds, as you go through the university grounds with Ash and Brenner, uh, the two gentlemen strolling side by side, making their way uh, towards the streets, uh, you hit the the area where the fence. The, the the iron iron fence gives way to the actual part of the city itself off the block into the streets and everything and uh there is a uh, a, a very ornate hearse uh parked off to the side and it is not cush that greets you but um a gentleman walks over and stops for a moment and looks and he says excuse me sir are you the one of you gentlemen dr horatio jackal do I recognize this gentleman at all? No. Uh, Ashenbrenner, I believe you've told me that you have a way of determining whether somebody is part of our little cadre, no? I'll, I'll touch the side of my nose and, and stick my hand out at the driver. Yes, my good man, I am Dr. Horatio Jackal. How may I be of service to you? And I will, I will pump his hand if he, if he takes mine. Not quite huh. what I was trying to telegraph, but let's see where this goes. <laughs> this is going to be quite interesting. So he says, oh, um, uh, this coach has been sent for you, sir. We received a telegram at Blakely and the Sons Funeral Home that we were to pick you up, that we were paid generously, sir. Payment received a few hours ago that you would like to be driven to the destination to meet someone of great import. If you would just follow me, sir. Absolutely. Blakely and Sons Funeral Home. I'm looking at Dr. Jackal, meanwhile, kind of raising my eyebrows like, do you know what the fuck he's talking about? Um, Yes, Blakely and Sons. How are Blakely and his sons? I'm well, sir. Yes, Mr. Blakely, sir. uh, He's looking at you like, I'm okay. (laughs) As 
Dr. Jackal's personal secretary and scribe, I must inquire as to who has sent for him, for he did not have anything on his agenda this evening. Yes, thank you, Dongsworth. Thank you, Dongsworth. If it wasn't for you, I would, I would, I would lose my head. Um, unfortunately, sir, uh, just a note was received saying that we should send this particular vehicle here uh, brought to you, and that you would be more than willing to uh, come with us and. As I said, monies were exchanged uh, hands a few hours ago. Um, if it is not fitting for you to come with me, I have done my part, sir, and brought the carriage for, for your retrieval. It is entirely up to you if you wish to go. No, oh, no, it's quite all right. Uh, c- come along, doctor. You mustn't be late for this mystery appointment. I shall accompany you, though, to uh, make sure that it gets properly entered into your journal. Yes, um, thank you, Dr. I'm sorry, sir, but the instructions were that the gentleman should come entirely alone. Um, and alone in a very unique way of transport. And he starts walking back to the back of the hearse and he unlocks it. And this man, who doesn't look like he would have the strength, but does, he slides out a, a black coffin and there's some students walking around and everyone else. And he cracks open the lid and he says, this way, sir. <laughs> and he looks at Ashenbrenner. Do I, do um, I get a, uh, what's the word? Uh, Pulse. Vampiric vibe off this dude. Well, he's that, a mortician in the Victorian England. What I was so. fishing for, but <laughs> yeah, uh, you—he has a pulse. Okay, he does have a pulse. Okay, um, in that case, I'll—I'll I'll maybe just kind of, if, if I can catch Doctor Jackal's eye, I'll kind of uh, pat my chest around my heart as if there's a heartbeat. Tap 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 tap. Do I see any sort of religious symbology, specifically any like stars of David or anything like that, or do I know enough about? Um, funeral rites that I could tell if this was Tevi trying to pull some shenanigans or if this was um, uh, Frazier trying to punk me somehow. <laughs> okay, so it looks yeah. it yeah, it definitely looks like a Christian hearse. There, the casket itself has a a, a fairly ornate um, cross on it, not a crucifix, a cross. That's the what you see on the on the front of the coffin. The coffin is lined in a very very bright red velvet. It is as um, hammer vampire looking as you could possibly get. Um, it is, and this gentleman is that he looks like the guy from Poltergeist Two, uh, the Amish dude. Jesus Christ, oh my Reverend God, Jane. If yeah. you said that, if you'd said that from the get go, I'd be like, Doctor Jekyll, we're leaving the city. <laughs> Oh, it's time to go. Oh, man. Okay, oh, I got to remind myself cognitively. Holy Christ. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I, I should have described him first. That was on my bad. I, no, no, that's I, okay. Now I'm, now his I'm voice sharing. was kind of enough to make him think I felt he had that old, you know, get ghoulish quality to him. But See, yeah, I, he's uh, definitely. I we received thinking... a message for Dr. Yeah. Horatio Jackal. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm not quite that high. But yeah, then, I, get... I was thinking the um the funeral home guy from the Phantasm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. even worse. Jesus. All um, right. Well, having having picked up on these little subtle clues and that the guy didn't immediately set the vampire on fire, I'm going to hope that it is not somebody that Tevi sent. And I will pat Ashen Brenner on the back. Be like, no, Ashen Brenner, I I believe I understand what is going on here, and I will take out one of my cards and hand it to the uh, to the hearse driver. And be like, I apologize for the ruse, my good sir, but you see, um, you terrified we, us. This was a bit uh, unsettling, as I'm 
suspect that you can imagine, as you said yourself, an unusual mode of transportation. And my friend here is uh, a bit better at handling and reading these situations than I am usually. So I asked him to take the lead. But I am, in fact, Dr. Horatio Jackal. And I hope that is a much larger box than it appears to be. Well, I was just about to say, sir, the note did not indicate they said you were a large gentleman. It did not indicate that you would be so broad. A squeeze is going to be very tight, sir, but the amount that we were offered for this service, we would normally not do such things, being a respectable uh, funerary home, sir, but this is the way you were to be brought to this meeting, and they said you would be game, sir. Game, I believe, was the right word. Yes, well, I, I suppose that might describe how I'm currently feeling as game. So let us be off then. And Ashen Brenner, I shall catch up with you uh, hopefully sometime in the near, not too distant future. And if I notice any of my students looking at me as I'm going this, what? You think that you can dissect the human body and root around on its innards when it is deceased without knowing how it feels afterwards? You should all aspire to have this much commitment to your craft as I start climbing into the coffin. A couple of them stop and the gentleman looks over and he says, Blakely and Sons, it's a new service we're offering. And he looks at Ashburner, he looks to you and says, Sir, if you would be so kind. He just can't lift him by himself. <laughs> <laughs> There's no freaking way. <laughs> Mr. Blakely, why why don't you uh take a seat in the front and I, I will handle this uh on my own. Um there's a little bit more to it than that, sir, if you just give me a moment. He grabs six nails and a small hammer, Ashenbrenner, and he walks towards the front of the coffin and he's lining up the first stroke. To, to I'm, I'm sorry, so Dr. Jackal's already in there. He's going in. I'm assuming Dr. Jackal went in. The guy has I'm, put the lid down. Yeah, I don't know what's about to happen. And he's about to nail it shut, Ashenbrenner. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, stop him and use a little bit of presence um, and just kind of gently yet firmly inform him that uh, for every nail you put into that coffin, I put two into you and mine no longer. <laughs> he takes a step back. Um, sir, the, the note was quite specific. Was it? Your... Was it, Mr. Blakely? Was the <laughs> note quite specific? Drive your was... fucking carriage, pig. And I'll just, I'll, I'll, so the, the, the coffin is back in the hearse or it's still kind of like hanging out? Well, no, it, it was tilted up almost like for a photo of Billy the Kid. Um, so <laughs> it's been sitting on the back of the, of the hearse. He's got the, the handbrake engaged. He shut it over and inside Dr. Jackal hears, pig. And he, like, we don't, he has no idea what's going on. But Dr., you know, uh, Blakely was about to nail it shut with six small penny nails. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'd like to think I put a stop to that. And then I guess uh, I'll try and put the coffin in myself and then kind of like tap, 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 tap. And then I'll give the old haircut. Excellent. Tap back. Okay. So you did not lock him in. Is that what you're telling me? I didn't lock him in and I'm just staring down at Blakely and yeah. Telling him. He steps back. Um, Very well, sir. I'm, I'm sure that whoever sent for the gentleman will be, Perfectly happy with him arriving with, in this particular state. I, uh, yeah, you uh, you can put him in the back. 
I think that's fantastic, Blakely. Nothing makes me happier than others being happy. Drive on, man. I say drive on. And then I'll, <laughs> he I'll starts, yep. close up the back and kind of hop on the back of it. Oh, you're going with him? Oh, yes. Oh. I'm not just tossing my friend in the back of a coffin. Toot-toot! <laughs> Have a wonderful time! This is not his going to end well. Have this fun is... storming the funeral home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ. Um, I wish you both well. Okay, so... <laughs> so, yes, Ashenbrenner, could you make me a stealth roll? Okay. See, right now in my mind, there's about a 40-40 chance that this is either Mitzi pulling my leg or Kiernan wants to revisit something that he hinted at last night and about a 20% chance that um, Tevi wants a new uh, hostage. Yeah. And I I probably read as the easiest to pick off. So that's the thing. If it's the last, I'd like to help out. I feel like if it's the first two, you know, oh, it's Ashenbrenner. He's an asshole. I'm not that surprised. Uh, (laughs) I I have a one in stealth. So you have a one. You can also use... Ashenbrenner wanted to help somebody else out. Yeah, that's kind of shocking Um, in this case. So you can also, you can add to that with... um, with your perception because you're oh, trying to okay. you're using perception in order to make yourself hidden and, and, and smaller and thank you. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. And you're looking for two successes, two successes. Okay. Tasty. I have two successes and a critical success. Oh, so no problem. Yes. You're able to climb on board without uh, Mr. Blakely recognizing too much of what's going on. And he cracks the, you know, the small riding whip over the top of the four black horses standard black horses and the begins they begin clopping clipping away um down the street rosmond you're you wake up and downstairs there are several tremere as you come out of your your own residence inside the the chantry there are several tremere already in the hallway and charles is there and the mirrors are are you know on the wall but he's standing where normally near where rex would have been and as he, you come out, you hear everybody ooing and eyeing and gasping, and they're like, yeah. Charles turns to you and says, Rosmond, have you heard? Have you heard? Apparently not. What's going on? Kiernan has called for the hunt. The hunt of, and I'm waving my hand, like, respectfully, like, can you just tell me who it is already? <laughs> Elijah, the blood hunt. He is to be drained. He is to be killed. Uh, London will turn into a free-for-all tonight. Well, that, that's interesting. Um, Good news, I suppose. Uh, He deserves it. She's kind of going like, yeah, what did you expect? Because she had already been through the whole, oh, we got Bartholomew back. Yeah, we're going to start the blood hunt. So she's kind of taking it with a grain of salt. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, great. Cool. With with all of your contacts, and since you were so vital in the recovery of the primogen, according to the according to the great ladies, I only assumed you'd want to be out there right away. Aren't you going to try to get a taste of an elder? I did not think it was my place as of yet. I'm. She's kind of being bashful about it. It's like, oh, nobody's ever. Th- I've never even thought to do that. But she's like, huh, maybe. 
Maybe, Charles, you just gave me an excellent idea. And the other Tremere are now starting, you're making their way out the front door. Um, yeah, the, the place is going to clear out quickly as, as vampires are, you know, rising from their day slumber to hear this news as, as the Tremere clan is, is huge. Anyone who could drink the blood of an elder could effectively lower their, their generation and a blood hunt means it's legal. Um, it's legal to take him out. He's to suffer the final death tonight or as soon as they find him. So where would Rosamond go? I'm, is she heading over to Evelyn? Is she to meet with the others and let them know the news? What is her plan? Where is her friend? De- was her name Dolores? I feel like it was Dolores. I believe that's okay. correct. Yeah. She would like gather Charles and Dolores if he was able to walk away from the mirrors and be like... She, she would gather those two because those are the ones that we're closest with and the people that know. Um, and she'd say like the three of us can like stay together as a group and we can all have a taste of the, el- of this elder and get our revenge for his misdeeds. This. Okay. Um, Dolores is okay with it. Charles, Charles says he is not allowed to leave tonight. He is still, they has not given him permission to walk the streets. He is supposed to man, man, you know, the mirrors, Rosamond, Dolores looks at you and says, I don't think the two of us could, even with Charles, could take Elijah. You probably have a better chance with your friends. Um, I, I'm, we're both Tremere, which means our, our gifts are going to be similar. We might not be able to take him down. Elijah's older. True. True. I'm just... She, she's kind of... Like, the minute Charles gave her the idea, basically, it's like, I want more. I want more for this. Like... I got a smack on the head for doing my job and now I want my, I want my pay. Basically. I want my blood pay. (laughs) Okay. Well then you don't need, uh, you don't need them to do it. Uh, You know, Evelyn and Simona and Ashenbrenner, your team has been effective. You, you've used contacts. You've done other things in the past to make things work. There's no reason you can't try to find him yourselves. And if anybody would know where Elijah would be, it's going to be Simona. She would know most of his haunts and hangouts. Then I would go and try and find Simona, even though in the back of her head, she's like, I doubt she's going to tell me anything because, yeah, she gave him up, but it's still Toreador and she knows what I'm going to do to him. So she'll look for Simona to just try to get back with the group and everything. Thinking of the way that I understand where you're coming from with, with it's it's Simona and she's Toreador, but this Toreador cost her her house, has now got her sire bank van, ban, banished from London, set her I mean set this plan in motion, risked her life, and now she's supposed to replace him in Kiernan's eyes. If the prince gives Simona a task, I have a feeling she's going to want to do it, but that may change. So your your logic of that she may not give him up, we don't know. We'll have to find out how Simona plays it, and that's what she will do. Yes, you make your way over to Evelyn's house. So, Evelyn, are you saying Simona wouldn't have been welcome in your establishment last night inside the offices? Um, see, given the fact that Simona already knew that Niccolo was in the house, she watched the admonishment, um, and she doesn't have a place to stay. She's also a potential primogen who would be in your, you know, in your debt. That's probably what she's thinking. It's so Simona would be allowed in the house because it's like, okay, all your after a very long night, 
it's your stuff is here but with with the exception of Simona like nobody else is allowed in the house until I get my my shit sorted you awaken this morning and Anthony is there Niccolo comes up from the basement Simona makes her way down the stairs and there's Anthony is standing there and he's like madam um, a message came from from uh, the office of Mr. Frazier. And he hands you an envelope. Another admonishment or another request for aid, which will not be so readily given. What does the envelope say? The hunt is on. Oh. And Simona, he also says, Lady Delatore, this came from you from... Frazier's office as well, madam. I'm sorry, sir, there's nothing for you. And he looks at Niccolo, who grins. (laughs) Simona takes the letter and she immediately opens it. I, Kiernan Frazier, hereby decree that Elijah has been named persona non grata and that he is to be destroyed, you know, by sun sun up um, with permissions to hunt him in any ways necessary. Uh, Goes on and on and on and on, an official... And as, you know, as primogen of standing, uh, as standing primogen, you're not taking your seat yet. You're currently a candidate that he's going to hopefully get you to take the job. But as the standing primogen, you are hereby instructed to notify your clan to stand down or join the hunt that Elijah is to be destroyed. And that's his message to you. Yours is far more elaborate than Evelyn's. Evelyn's just says the hunt is on. Wow. Well, there's a reason, Lauren. He he needs her to activate. No, no, no. I know. I'm yeah. just like, whoo, that's a hell of a letter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Simone is now being told, you know, you want you want this job. You want to stand next to us. It's time for you to tell your clan to stand down. Don't protect him. L- cut him loose and let us do what we have to do. Okay. Then she reads the letter over. She folds it back up. Um... And she, I need to go find the rest of Clan Toreador now. Niccolo's looking at you, Simona, and he smiles and says, Little Pickle? Perhaps something a little difficult for you? And he starts to grin. Tough having power. Nothing Don't (laughs) Don't torment her, Nikki. She's not used to it yet. Please, Evelyn. It's nothing I haven't been able to handle before. And I turn around and I leave the room. How will you find them all? This is so, this is fascinating. Evelyn, you can't let me leave yet. Just please. If it's a blood hunt, there'll be no one looking for me anyway. Let us go out and enjoy the evening together. No. Fa- Daughter, I'm begging you. It's bad enough that I was put on my ass by Kiernan and made to sit in the room wondering what your choice was going to be. I thank you, by the way, for choosing the way you did. But... You're welcome. Think of the chaos. We could have so much fun. Call that friend of yours, the big one, um, with the name, uh, Burner, whatever he is, the one you were telling me about. uh, Bring him along as well. (laughs) I'm sure he would. Burner. (laughs) Ashen Burner. Ashen Burner, yeah. I'm sure that Ashenbrenner would love nothing more than to gallivant through London with you, but I am on thin ice. The little gamble, oh, please. I think. What? Daughter, please. Come now. This is, this was, this was Kiernan 
uh, having a pissing contest with me. You know he would never have done it. Yeah, this is not the way he would play the game. You don't believe that, Evelyn. You believe it was close. Like, he may have done it. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, I'd like to point out, Father, that if you hadn't been grabbed oh. by Ventru dogs, I would have a seat. Well, the grabbed is the wrong word. I stopped for a, I, I, uh, a small dalliance in the park. Something just to, to make sure that the hunger was sated for the voyage home. I... I didn't realize that they were already watching the the house. I mean, this in 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 honesty, it is you who failed me. I mean, let's be honest, Evelyn. You should have had security much better protected. You knew I where I was headed. You should have made sure the way was clear. But you had a lot on your plate. I don't hold you personally responsible. And and because of that, I have failed. I have failed you. I have failed you terribly. In fact, I am going. I forgive you. Oh. Your security will be tripled. I'm putting you in a I'm putting you in a coffin on a carriage. You are leaving London tonight. I should It was wonderful to see you. But bringing you here only put you in danger. It's clear to me now. I need you to leave this city for your own safety. You could not control yourself. Take a blood doll in the coffin with you. Your safety is my uh, is of my utmost concern, my top priority, and as such, you will not be going out on a blood hunt. If they found you walking the streets, they, meaning the Camarilla, anyone, found you walking the streets, searching for... No, because it's a blood hunt. Tonight is about Elijah. This has nothing to do with me. Child, please. Yes, and if you got caught in the crossfires, no one would bat an eye. About killing you and eating you. Mm. Your blood would be just as desirable, if not more, than his. My my decision is final. Ah, you sound like Lucretia. Fine, fine. As old as I am and I'm still being treated like a child by you. I don't know who the parent is. Sometimes I forget. Well, go, play with your friends. I will stay here and just... No. Sulk. I'll sulk, I'll sulk. I won't go You anywhere. are being... You're being put on a carriage. It's being brought over. I'm not leaving until you're safely on the fucking boat. I'll drive the carriage <laughs> myself. Fine. So this this goes on for a few minutes. Simona, what were you going to do? Were you going to burst through the door running for every Toreador you know? Or are you sending messages? How are you going to do this? The fastest way, obviously, would be to send messages. I would, um, I would send messages. I'm just trying to think about what I would say in them. Okay. If- I'll, I'll come back to you for a moment. Yeah, yeah. just... Just, it doesn't have to be very wordy. Just, it's whether, I guess let's do it this way. Are you going to tell the remaining seven Toreador in the in, in London that they are to give Elijah up, that that is your, that you are following the prince's decree of a blood hunt. You are not, you are going to, and that they should stand down and that anybody who helps him is implicit in, in his crimes. Basically, that's what Kieran is saying. If the Toreadors help him, you know, harbor him, that the the full weight of the law will come down on them. It's this is it, Simona. It's the choice. You've kept the prince in power, but now do you become the lapdog? Now do you become the primogen that hunted another of his clan? That's what this call has to be. And I'm not saying lapdog in a bad way. I'm just mean. I, I mean, it sounds like I'm leaning you one way. That's probably not the best way to say it. But this is the time where you choose. I'm in or I'm out, and that's this is kind of where it has to be. So I'll give you another minute to think about that. It's a big choice. Okay. Yeah, it's a big choice. Evelyn, the carriage is brought around. 
Um, Anthony is now dressed as a ca- cha- carriage driver. Um, he's got a small, what appears to be like a blunderbuss uh, loaded. Um, he's got the, the coachman's hat on and everything. And he's like, I, I, I can take him. I can take him to the docks, madam. I, I, I can do this. Where did you get a, where did you get a gun? Um, from my room, madam, it's a little bit of safety. So I remember, do you remember about four years ago when you had allowed your, your hunger to go quite rampant? I, I was a little bit afraid, madam. So I, I just picked this up just for personal protection, but I, I never meant to use it. I would never do it. I would never fire it at you or, or no, anything. I, you know that. I think that's rather clever. Do you bring that with you every time? Every time what, ma'am? I visit or you visit me. Do you bring the gun? Where do you keep it? I'd rather not say, ma'am. Okay. Excellent. Um, Damn, Shocked for a moment. I'm at a loss for words. I'm at a loss for words. Um, Clever. I I do remember that night and you keep that. I. Good thinking. Logical. Uh, storyteller. Mm-hmm. Would I have drugs in the house? For Anthony? No, 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 no. I'm literally, I want to take a page out of an Anne Rice novel and knock Niccolo the F out. It, that way he doesn't decide to just get out of the carriage again. Okay, so Niccolo, we're not going to, I'm not here to delay the, delay it. If you tell Niccolo he's got to go to the thing, we're going to say he gets there. The okay. last time it was because of the blackmail situation. Um, there's no one looking for Niccolo tonight. It's about, it's about Elijah. Anybody watching your house would realize Elijah wouldn't be coming out the front door into a carriage. Yeah. Niccolo will get to the boat safely and he'll make his way out. So that's not a problem. Okay, great. I was, I envisioned like an Anne Rice, like, oh, he's laced with laudanum like type situation, but great. (laughs) Yeah. We don't have to do that. So Anthony and his blunderbuss are going to escort Niccolo to the boat. (laughs) It's a sentence I never thought I'd say. I didn't. I wasn't sure I'd ever try to say it, but it's okay. There. Great. All right. So by nine thirty, that's happening. Simona, I'll come back to you in about five, about ten minutes. We're just going to do something with the Doctor Jackal, uh, and then we're going to find out exactly what messages you dispatch. Rosman, you are on your way to Evelyn's house, and you should be there within about fifteen minutes. So that will be going on. The two gentlemen arrive at Blakely and Sons Funerary Home. Um, it is in a on a corner of of a fairly smart street. In this, in this district of London, uh, very, very beautiful, very nicely done. There are several attendants that are that come outside as as the, the hearse pulls up, and uh, Blakely, whoa, whoa, stops the carriage. The back doors of the funeral home are open. Uh, there's several men there dressed in morning suits, definitely pole bearers or something, meant to carry Doctor Jackal's coffin in. Doctor, I'm going to need you. What's that? I said, I hope they're strong. Oh, they're yeah, they're going to have to be. Doctor, I'm going to need you to give me a wits, wits and alertness. All right. So that's going to be six dice. Three successes, uh, no criticals, no critical fails. You, as crunched in as you are, as tightly packed in as they've made you, and you are tightly packed in. Um you're able you're keeping your calm for the most part you're you're maintaining your intelligence like your ability not to freak the the nails in the top of the lid may have made more of a problem because you would have thought you were trapped but Ashenbrenner gave you the 
and you gave him the two bits part. So you, you know that he's still with you. So all that is playing into your mind that you're going to be okay. But breathing is not easy. Your chest is is really tight in this box. You're having, you know, it is, it is a struggle to feel comfortable. And you've been in here for about 20 minutes. Um, when you Can I reach like my coat pocket the way my hands are? So I assume the hands are kind of like just down by my side. No, they're across your chest. They would have to, you wouldn't, they would not fit with your girth. They would have never fit by yourself. So I can't, I can't reach. Can I reach my inside coat pocket? Like my inner jacket pocket? Mm -hmm. I suspect that when I packed away this uh, pocket sand Mm -hmm. that I probably would have put like one in my inner coat pocket, like the one with the tube. And then the two that were just in the envelopes, like one in either front coat pocket. Okay. So I want to at least try and get my hand around that tube so that if you know, this thing opens up and worse comes to worse. I've at least got something at the ready. Okay. Yeah. You, you're able to weasel one into your hand, uh, at, you know, through the 20 minute journey. Remember it's pitch black. You're, you're the only sound is, you know, you do hear this, you feel the rumbling of the carriage a bit. Um, but you're inside of a, a box basically with a lot of draperies and things. So it kills most of the noise, but you know, you, your breath is there. It's, it's claustrophobic. It's it's tough, but you're you're able to do it. You're able to get something into your hand. Okay. So you do feel the motion cease, and that's when you know Ashenbrenner. You're on the back of the cart now. Are you staying, or is it your, as you see them coming into Blakely and Sons? You see this down this back, you know, side street to this building that, that looks like a funeral home. Do you dodge off and try to hide? Are you staying with him, you know, through thick and thin? What's your plan? I'm gonna stay with him. Yeah, I wasn't trying to hide. I was just uh, staying with him. Yeah, well, the only reason I asked for a stealth roll earlier was because Blakely would have really tried to suggest not coming with him. Um, but, you know. I would have respectfully dis- disagreed. Yeah, I, I had a feeling <laughs> that was going to happen. So uh, four gentlemen are there. They they come around. They see you. They're they're looking. And you hear the gentleman, oh, oh you you came as well. Um, this is a private service, so I'm... The people that are supposed to be coming, I'm not sure they'd really appreciate your attendance. I'm, I'm going to very, very, very softly just walk over to Blakely and, and sort of put my hand on his shoulder if, if he'll let me. Um, um, he, The other four men are there. He doesn't feel too threatened. Okay. He just realizes you're a pretty big dude. Yeah. Okay. So I'll lean in and just kind of whisper, Mr. Blakely, I was being polite before. I will be frank. If you attempt in any way to harm my friend, I will turn you inside out. So, I will be as a shadow. Quiet, you won't even notice I'm here. Tell your friends that's what's going to happen. For your sake, Mr. Blakely. Oh, and the sake of your sons. Let me make a roll. <laughs> because that, that, was, uh, that, that was good. That was reasonable, right? I thought you were, that was magnanimous. <laughs> for me? <laughs> for you, I thought it was goddamn downright courtly. Um, <laughs> okay. He, he doesn't, there's no water uh, breaking uh, or puddling, but he does look at you and says, <laughs> he does look at you and says, Sir, the, the, where's, please, this is supposed to be very, a very sacred moment. If you could just, I know, I know, Mr. Blakely, it's so hard at times like this. So hard. It's so hard. And I'll just kind of step away from him and I'll keep a distance from the four gentlemen and 
indicate that they're, you know, they're welcome to do their thing, but then I am here. They pick, uh, they pick Dr. Jackal up. Um, Dr. Jack, you feel obviously the, 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 the sensation of being lifted and, uh, you know, I try to keep my weight as evenly distributed as possible <laughs> as not jettisoning yourself onto the ground. <laughs> um, yes. And you're brought into the, to inside the funeral home where all the, the lamps are turned down in a respectable place and they, they carry you over and, and you feel yourself settled and you begin to hear weeping, soft, just weeping. Ashenbrenner, do you follow them in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I literally meant what I said. I will just kind of yep. stay back and, you know, as long as they just pretend I'm not even there. And I'm, I'm going to be as perceptive as I can at this moment. Okay. So there's a woman um, about five foot two, blondish hair, um, very dainty, very delicate looking, sitting there with a, a veil over her face. Uh, it is, you know, it's not Muse. Muse hasn't, you, you definitely know her. You'd recognize her, her basic look. Yeah. Uh, this is just a woman sitting there and she's in full black Victorian regalia with the, the veil down with a black lace kerchief. And she's just, <laughs> and just patting her eye gently. And the Mr. Blakely kind of gives you a dirty look and is like, you really, sh-, you know, and runs over and he, there's a small pipe, a little organ, and he begins playing, you know, funeral dirges, <laughs> like you're thinking what in the fuck is going on so it's so it's like a viewing room in a in a, in a funeral home yeah absolutely and yeah. it's so once there's some flowers there's a wreath that says you know my beloved doctor there's all kinds of shit gotcha so if okay. i if i hear the music mm-hmm. my my grip on the uh the tube will slacken okay um because tevi would not be doing this this is in my mind 100 like 99 percent this is something to do with the malkavians one percent kiernan actually has a sense of humor that i've never picked up on that's that's exactly the vibe i'm getting yeah so i'm basically once i'm in the room and they've placed him i'm just going to kind of again be as shadowy as i can um so rows of chairs there's this the short woman towards the front just weeping Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, can I detect any sort of uh, heart that is doing something from her? Yeah. None. None. Okay, cool. All right. So I'll just stay at the back of the room. Again, if there's some way I can kind of be forgotten, you know, when Blakely gives me the dirty look, I'll just lick my lips at him. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to be, again, fly on the wall type thing. Yeah. Well, she's she's seen you. And after the first, you know. Oh, then I, I will bow graciously when I see yeah. her. And uh, she she looks and says, did you know him well, sir? Oh, madam, he was as, as a brother to me. I, I feel as if I've lost my arms or one arm and one leg. I feel as if I've lost two of my appendages. My deep totally condolences. Confused. She's totally confused. Excellent. She's like, he says. She says, "May I inquire to your name, if 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 you would give it?" Yes, ma'am. Uh, I I am known as uh, Charles Plotnik, a tailor. Much fabric would have been needed to clothe my Horatio. She starts dabbing her eyes again. A burly gentleman. A burly gentleman, a gentle, burly gentleman. 
he was like a beloved oxen. Just a big ball of love and tenderness. Never took advantage. Always thoughtful. Wrote me many letters. She's just crying her eyes out. I guess I'll just I'll just kind of wait and, and, and see what's going on and try not to laugh. <laughs> Around the corner, you, you see a gentleman walk in, kind of tr- shabbily dressed, um, trench coat and everything, looks and he's like, aren't you done yet? Her face instantly changes to one of just just dread and evil. And she looks and you hear, she just says, do I look fucking done to you, Kush? And he's like, oh. Ash and Brenda, what are you doing here? <laughs> so, so he's like, just looking at you and he kind of just blurts out because this is a Malkavian funeral service. They're not sure why, you know, but Kush is waiting for Agnes to take them to the next location. And uh, yeah, you, um, he's just like, what are you doing here? Kush, is this, is this not, is this not the Johnson funeral? This is awkward. This is so awkward. I am. I am so. I'm. Uh, and then I'll, I'll walk up to the coffin and then give it another tap, 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 tap. Okay. And then and then I'll leave. Okay. And if I can, well, you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll kneel down next to this this poor woman and again my deepest condolences in in your time of 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 need. And then uh, if she if she's just st- sobbing on the way out, I'll try and give Kush a little spanking. <laughs> well, Kush gets the, that's the quick message that he shouldn't be here yet either. Um, but that, you know, he follows you out and he, he looks at you and he's like, oh, she is such a flat for the dramatic. It's ridiculous. You don't say Kush, a Malkavian with a flair for the dramatic. Next you'll say, well, golly gosh, those gangrels sure do like to drink blood. Stick with art. Witticisms aren't your thing. Thank you for listening to Hellfire Nights. You can like, share, and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. To help support our network of real play adventure shows, please visit us at patreon.com forward slash the Bardic College. And for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to behind-the-scenes reels, interviews with players and storytellers, and exclusive adventures featuring your favorite characters from our shows.